Rambam, Mishnah Torah. We begin a new book today, book six of the 14 books of Mishnah Torah, Yad HaChazaka. Sefer Haflo'o, the book of Haflo'o, or the book of utterances. The Rambam begins every new book by quoting a relevant verse to the theme of that book. He quotes the verse, Nidvos pi retzei no Hashem, from Psalm 119. The offerings of my mouth should have goodwill before you, Hashem. Umishpotecha lamdeini, and teach me your judgments. There are, these are laws and judgments about the utterances of one's mouth. Sefer Haflo'o, the book of utterances, and the word Haflo'o is rooted in the Chumash, where the Chumash uses the verbiage, Ish Kiafli Neder Hashem, if man shall utter <coughs> a vow to Hashem, the word Yafli is loosely translated as utter, verbally state, as we will learn in Halacha. As the Tanya explains, there are three garments with which man expresses himself, or through which man expresses himself, and they are thought, speech, and deed. The vast majority of mitzvahs are observed or transgressed through deeds. You do a mitzvah, you act in violation of a mitzvah. Some mitzvahs are observed and expressed through speech, reciting the Shema, uttering prayers, uttering words of Torah, and also the subject matter of this book, oaths, vows, pledges, sanctifications, all of these are verbal. So that a verbal expression can also be a manner of performing a mitzvah, case in point, reciting the Shema, or <clears throat> making a transgression. Case in point, swearing falsely, making a pledge and not keeping it. The who, this would be Sefer Shishi, book 6. Hilchesov, the categories of law are Arba, Four, Vizel Sidran, and this is the order. Hilchais Shvuas, the laws of oaths. Hilchais Nidorim, the laws of vows. Hilchas Nizirais, the laws of Nazarite vows. Somebody takes a vow that he's not going to eat meat, he's not going to drink wine. He's not, he's not going to drink wine, he's not going to cut his hair, he's not going to expose himself to death. All of the pledges of Nazir, I. I misspoke when I said meat, Hilches arochim vacharomim, and the laws of endowment, valuations, devotion offerings. A person says, I pledge my farm to the holy temple, I pledge the value of my cow, and so on and so forth. This is also an act of utterance. That's the general table of contents. Specific table of contents, Hilches shvuas, we begin with part one. 
The laws of oaths. You ever hear people say just habitually, I swear to God. I swear to God it was, it was, it was Tuesday. We have to be careful before we swear to God for anything. But it was Tuesday. Makes no difference. We're going to learn some intricate laws about oaths. Beautiful laws, actually. Yesh bechlolon chomesh mitzvahs. In general terms, these laws of oaths are comprised of five commandments. Achas mitzvahs asay, one positive. Biarba mitzvahs leisaseh, four negative. Vizel proton, and these are the details. Aleph. Not to swear falsely in God's name. Not to take God's name in vain. Not to deny having received an entrusted object. Somebody comes to you and says, I want you to keep an eye on my laptop. And then he comes and says, I want my laptop back. You say, what laptop? And then it involves an oath. Not to swear falsely when denying financial obligations. Now, there is a mitzvah to swear truthfully sometimes involving financial obligations. <clears throat> to swear truly in God's name. That's the positive commandment. In the explanation of these commandments, in the upcoming chapters, Patekrishan chapter 1, and the Rambam in his renowned, orderly way, brilliantly lays this out. It, it's, it's so delightful just to see the system. Aleph 1, Arbo, Mine There are four types of oaths. And here the Rambam enumerates the four categories. Shvuas bitui. One is called Shvuas bitui, that which is expressed. And he's going to immediately define Shvuas bitui as soon as he finishes the list. The second is Shvuas shov, a false or unnecessary oath. The third is Shvuas Hapikodan, an oath involving an object which one is guarding. That's the third. And the fourth is Shvuas Ha'edus, an oath regarding testimony. And we're going to define these four oaths, beginning with the first Shvuas Bitui. What does it mean when we say a Shvuas Bitui? Bitui means expression. Levate bisfosayim, to express with one's lips. And this is an oath taken, expressing statements, as he will explain, concerning either the, the future or the past. And he goes on to say, Hu shenemar betero. This is what it says in the Torah, a nefesh kisishava. If a person will take an oath, levate bisfosayim, to express verbally with his lips, lehora elehetiv, to do something in the negative realm or in the positive realm. 
it is divided into <clears throat> there are four parts to what we call an oath of expression and again in category the Rambam puts everything in boxes two are futuristic two are in the future and two are in the past and here he brings examples. Again, for example, Something in the past, he takes an oath, it either happened or it didn't happen. Something in the future, He will do it or he will not do it. So, we have the past. And the past is divided into two. Yes or no, I did go on vacation. I didn't go on vacation. He says, I swear I didn't go on vacation. I swear I did go on vacation. Or I will or I won't. Past, yes, no. Future, yes, no. Kagei Bayes. What is the classification of where these four categories can take hold? The ancient was bitui, an oath of expression, can only fit into a category. Nehegas, it's only observed, alabidvorim, in matters, she'ef, son, where one can possibly do it. He's talking about my example. He's going on vacation. He's not going on vacation. The question is, can you go on vacation? Or is it against the law? Whether it's future or past. What's an example of an acceptable oath of the past? A person says, I swear I ate this and this. I, what do you mean I never had sushi? I swear I had sushi. I threw that boulder into the sea. I swear I saw Reuven talking to Shimon. Or the guy says, I swear, I never had sushi. I could have had a V8. I swear I never threw the boulder into the ocean. Reuven never spoke to Shimon. These are two examples of positive, negative in the past. Ketzad lahabo, what is an example of the future? I swear I will have coffee. I swear I will have sushi. Or I swear I will never have sushi. These are things he says. I will throw. I will not throw ever a rock. So, this is futuristic. So we have two categories. Past, I did, I didn't. He did, he didn't. I saw, I didn't see. Or, or, or I saw, it didn't happen. Or future, I will, I won't. I threw, I didn't throw. I heard, I didn't hear. So what's the problem? 
problem is Gimel Nishba Achas Mearba Machalakis Elo. If he took one of these oaths, he said, I swore I never ate sushi, and he did eat sushi. Or he swears he's never going to eat sushi, and he's having it for lunch. For example, here the Rambam gives his own example. That he will not eat so and so, and then he went and ate it. That's a clear violation of an oath. He swears he will eat, and he didn't. I did eat. And he didn't eat. I never ate. And he did. What we have here is category one. <clears throat> What's category one? It's a false oath. His oath turned out by his actions to be false. It's not debatable. And regarding this, and anything similar, the verse says, Do not swear in my name falsely. Now, what are the ramifications? If he did it intentionally, he knew what he was doing. Then under the right conditions with witnesses who warn him and observe him, he could get lashes. But if it was an accident, you know, it happens. A person could take an oath that he didn't do something, and he forgot that he did it. A person could take an oath that he'll never do something, and he forgot he took an oath. Maybe korban He brings a sliding scale sacrifice, as is outlined for this transgression in the Torah. A wealthier man brings a more expensive sacrifice. A poor man brings a lesser sacrifice. It's called a sliding scale sacrifice. There's the old cheder joke they used to tell. How do you, sell, how do you say an elevator in Torah? Olevi yored. Goes up and down. Shenemar, as it says, This act was concealed with him. He forgot he had sushi. And he didn't know, or he didn't know, he's guilty. So that's category number one. He swore yes or no for the past, yes or no for the future, and then the facts were different. That is called a false oath. If it's intentional, and there are witnesses who warn him and observe him, it could even result in lashes. And this is a fantastic chidush. This is an amazing halacha contribution that lashes could be given if all else is lined up right for something a person says. Not do, but says. Which teaches us how critical it is to watch what we say. Category number two. Category number two, unfortunately, is something that so many people are guilty of, and they don't even know it. Shvuas Shov. What is a Shvuas Shov? Shov means in vain, and that's basically Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments don't take God's name in vain. 
In the Ten Commandments, it's a broad commandment. This too can be divided into four categories. The first is, If he takes an oath about something which is known and undisputed, that it's not so. Everybody knows this and that, and he swears the opposite. Ketzar, for example. Everybody knows that this and this individual is a man, and he swears, no, it's a woman. It's absurd. Everybody knows this is a woman, he swears it's a man. I guess those were the days before sex change operations. The Al Amud Shal Shayish Shahu Shalzov. You have a pillar of marble, he swears it's gold. Everyone knows it's marble. The Chain Kol or Kol You know, you have a, a, a desktop, an, 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 an IBM computer, he swears it's an Apple computer. You have an Apple computer, he swears it's an IBM. It's, it's absurd. That's just a wasted oath. Hashniya. The second will be He swears to something which is undoubtedly so that it is so. For example, he's looking at an Apple computer and he swears it's an Apple. It says Apple. We don't need your oath. He points to heaven and he says, I swear this is heaven. He points to a stone. He says, I swear it's a stone. He looks at something that is two and he says, I swear it's two. Anything similar. A normal person has no doubt that heaven is heaven, a stone is stone, two is two. It's wasted to go ahead and strengthen that matter with an oath. And as I said, people abuse this terribly because they swear for these type of things. And it's just a bad habit. Shlishis, a third category. A Jew goes and takes an oath to nullify one of God's commandments. Ketzad, for example, he swears, the Torah says that a four-cornered garment requires fringes, tzitzes. <clears throat> he says, I swear I'm going to get a four-cornered garment and not put tzitzes on it. You're not allowed to swear against God's commandment. Because the oath is not going to help you. You have to fulfill God's commandment. Shalai Yilbash He swears he's not going to put on tefillin. He comes to the rabbis, oh, what should I do? I swore I'm not going to put on tefillin. How can I put on tefillin? The rabbi says to him between us, don't tell anybody I said this. The rabbi says to him, you're an idiot. You can't swear not to put on tefillin. Go put on tefillin. A man swears he's not going to sit in sukkah on the sukkahs. On sukkahs, you have to sit in the sukkah. He's not going to eat matzah on the Seder nights. He swears he's going to fast on Shabbos and Yom Tov on the Sabbath and on festive days. 
which is by and large with certain rare exceptions. Prohibited. Or anything similar. You can't take an oath against Torah. So, you know, let's go to our world. Somebody takes an oath, he says, I, I, you know, I, I, I had a headache last year, I swear I'm not going to fast on Yom Kippur. He comes to the rabbi, what should I do? The rabbi tells him, this is a, an oath that cannot happen. You can't swear against God. So that's category number three. Levatil es ha-mitzvah. And Revius is for shenish He swears about something that he's unable to do. <clears throat> it's not physically possible. Ketzat, for example, He swears that he will not sleep at all three consecutive 24-hour periods. 72 hours. It's not possible, says Halacha, to be up for 72 hours without nodding off. So therefore, it's a false oath. He swears he's not going to taste anything, even a drop of water, for seven days. <clears throat> anything that's physically impossible. And again, the purpose of this class is not to debate whether 72 hours, yes, no, or one week, yes, no. Maybe sometimes nature changes, maybe uh, if he's having an IV drip. <laughs> We're talking about an oath where it cannot possibly happen. He swears he's going to jump up to the top of the Empire State Building. You can't jump up. Even if you jump down, you're not going to have a good day. <clears throat> to wrap it up, if anybody swears a false or unnecessary oath of the four above, he transgresses a commandment. As it says, in the Ten Commandments, don't take God's name in vain. If it was intentional, like he receives lashes under certain conditions. And if it was inadvertent, there is no act that has to be done. So again, to review, what is a shuashav? What is taking God's name in vain? He swears with regard to something that's known that it's not so. He swears that with regard to something that's known that it is so. To nullify a mitzvah which a person cannot do. To do the impossible. So that's category two. Remember what category one was. Category one was the four categories of I will, I won't, I did, I didn't. Category two is the oath in vain. And he describes within category two, four categories. Now we go to the next category, category three. What do we mean when we talk about an oath concerning an entrusted object. Ketzad, how does this work? If somebody has somebody else's money, whether it's an object that he gave him to watch, either an object or money, or a loan, or 
in the case where he robbed him. Mr. A robbed Mr. B, so Mr. A has Mr. B's money. A ashoke, or he embezzled or stole from him. A matzah or he found something the other guy lost, or he didn't give it back. Or you figure it out, any scenario where Mr. A has Mr. B's money. And Mr. B comes and says, I need my money. She asked by which he has, and he denies it. He says, what money? I don't have any money. I don't have your candlestick. I don't have nothing. He transgresses a negative commandment. As it says, regarding financial matters, do not deny that you have his money. You have to admit it. I have your money. I'm not going to pay you, but that's a separate story. But I have it. This is an admonition against denying having the other person's money or value or, 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 or object. Because this is just a denial, there's no lashes. But if he goes a step further and he goes to court and he swears falsely, he transgresses a next, another negative commandment. Do not lie, <coughs> one man to his colleagues. This is an admonition. To one who takes an oath when he denies having the other guy's money. And this oath, is called the oath of a financial matter. When I was a kid in school, they told us the following story. That a man comes to another man and he says, do me a favor. I'm going out of town. Can you watch my candlestick? I have a beautiful silver candlestick. He says, sure. Comes back in two months. He says, can I have my candlestick back? He says, yes. And then he gives him a small candlestick. He says, what's this? He says, your candlestick had a baby. He says, my candlestick had a baby. Mazel tov. He takes the candlestick. A couple of weeks later, he's back with a candlestick. He says, can you watch my candlestick? Sure. Comes back a month later. He says, oh, you have my candlestick? He says, yeah. He gives him back two candlesticks, two little ones. He says, they had twin it had twins. He says, this is great. Anyway, I'm going to make a very long story short. He brings all the silver he has and all the silver he could borrow, and he brings it to the guy. He figures if we're having babies and twins, this time we'll have triplets. And he says, can you watch my silver? He says, with pleasure. He comes back. He says, can I have my silver? He says, sit down, please. I have a very sad story to tell you. He says, what happened? He says, you know the silver you gave me? It died. Died. Dead. He says, what are you talking about? Silver can't die. He says, if it could have babies, it could die. So that's the story I heard when I was an adolescent in Yeshiva in Montreal. So, you know, be careful. Don't uh, have your silver have babies. So, we now continue with Tess. Nine. What is his liability if he denies having someone else's money or object? The answer is, he has to pay the principal. There's a penalty of a fifth. 
a 20 or 25% penalty. He also has to bring a particular sacrifice called a guilt offering of certainty because he's certain he violated the law. Whether it was intentional, or unintentional. As it says, he will deny having the person's object, or concerning another financial situation, or stealing the game. And this is one of the unusual situations where an intentional act results in sacrifice. Usually, sacrifice is only for unintentional acts. It shall be when he sins, he shall be guilty. This is a special mitzvah where the intentional is culpable for sacrifice, just like the unintentional. Very unusual. This, that is provided that he is intentionally violating the law with the object, with the candlestick or the money, which he's obligated to return. He knows about it when he swears. If he didn't know, he forgot that he has money. And he denied it when he swore. And then he realized it. Then he is not intentionally guilty. It was an accident. The word onus means accidental. He didn't mean it. He forgot. You know, we're only human beings and we forget things. And he has no liability. For example, another case is where he didn't know that it's forbidden to swear falsely when it comes to denying money. He figures if it has to do with money, you're allowed to swear falsely. Again, the fact that he didn't know means it's accidental. He's exempt. The story I always tell of the rabbi who's passing by the non-kosher restaurant on the eve of Yom Kippur called Nidre. And he sees uh, some of his uh, important constituents having a meal there. And, and he walks in and he says, what's going on? And uh, did, did you forget it's Yom Kippur? They say, no. Did you forget you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur? No. So what happened? We forgot to close the drape. So, you know, there's all kinds of things you can forget. When it comes to forgetting a mitzvah, you can forget it's forbidden, you can forget you did it, you can forget where you are. In Cain, in that case, says 11, how could you possibly inadvertently do an oath when it comes to denying having somebody's object? You forget whether you're obligated to bring a sacrifice or not. But he knows it's forbidden. She actually has money. He has the money. So this is the sin. Was and it's intentional application. He knows that he's obligated to bring a sacrifice. Yudbeis twelve. Moving right along. What does it mean when somebody takes an oath in testimony? Witnesses who know information concerning a financial matter. And they were subpoenaed by one of the litigants to come and testify. And they denied. They said, we don't know anything. So the judge said, I want you to swear. You know, you're under oath. 
state under oath that you don't know. This is called an oath of testimony. In English, we call it perjury. And there is an obligation for the violation of this oath, carbon a sliding scale offering. Whether it was intentional, or unintentional. If a person shall sin, and he will hear the sound of an oath, but who aid, he's a witness. It doesn't say he forgot. Here the intentional and the unintentional are both culpable. So how does the inadvertent play out? The same thing, he doesn't know that a sacrifice is obligated. He knew it was forbidden. He knew it was false. was But the intentional is, he did know about the sacrifice. Exactly what we just learned earlier. If he didn't know it was forbidden, or he really forgot that he had information when he swore, and then he realized that he does have information, and he swore falsely, these are accidental, they don't even have to bring the offering. End of chapter 1.